Welcome back to episode three and a half, I guess, of the Republic of Football. I am your host, David Ubbin, joined again by Dave Campbell's Texas Football's managing editor. Taking some time out in the midst of magazine season, mm-hmm. we have Greg Tepper here. Uh, a Greg Tepper beginning the... Uh, We'll just say you're going to be on a short amount of sleep. Yeah, this for a is while. for those who don't know. So we're already working on the 2018 summer edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, the Bible of Texas football, the one that previews every high school team, every college team, the 400-page magazine, right? And so really starting at about April 1 is when things get really, really dense. And something you will learn, David Ubbin, in your maiden voyage here at Dave Campbell's Texas Football is that Max Thompson and I progressively go more insane as the days go on until we go to press on June 1. And that is Scotch and Ice Cream Day when we eat ice cream and we drink scotch. Popping bottles. So, yeah, I have a weird job. Is what Basically, that's <laughs> what it all kind of boils down to. So, yeah. But we did take some time out this weekend. Now, if you're a longtime listener of the show, and this show goes back a while, yeah, this couple, is, I mean, a couple three years, we got some, we got some OGs. Yeah, if you're a loyal listener of the show, you know my feelings on Heim Barbecue. And one Greg Tepper made his maiden voyage to Heim Barbecue. Greg, walk us through what that first bite from a bacon burn ends was like for you so the bacon burn ends at heim barbecue in fort worth are excellent okay and i don't want anything that i'm about to say to dismiss from that verifiable fact they are delicious okay they are great they're not the best thing on the menu at heim barbecue blasphemy that is if i may issue a hot take the fatty smoke take the smoke take the fatty brisket at heim barbecue is maybe the best fatty brisket I've ever had. And I'm not normally a fatty brisket guy. I like the lean brisket when I go somewhere. Gotta watch your figure. But this fatty brisket was game-changing. It was really, really good. Everything was great there. And that's the beauty. That's what I came away most impressed by at Heim Barbecue in Fort Worth, is everything was really good. You go some places, some barbecue places, and the brisket is amazing, but the ribs are just fine. No names mentioned. Or the, uh, or the, uh, I don't know, what else? The sausage is out of this world, but the brisket's just okay. This was consistency across all platforms. As I said, again, the bacon burn ends are well worth the hype. That said, I, I, it got topped for me when I was there, and and I am, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I even uh, I even reviewed it on Facebook, which Travis Heim then tweeted about. Uh, so I I feel like we are coming closer and closer to this just being a show dedicated to getting you to go to Travis's restaurant. In Fort we Worth. could just move the studios into the smokehouse. Listen, I've heard worse ideas. I have heard worse ideas in the last five minutes. There you so, go. Yes. So moving on from fatty brisket talk, hmm. we got a great show today. North Texas coach Seth Luttrell will join us. And Seth is an interesting guy. He also tells one of the best Mike Leach stories I've ever heard. Mm. So stick around for that. That, by the way, because you are a connoisseur of Mike Leach stories. I've heard a lot of Mike Leach stories. And, and this is the best one? Or one of the best? Uh, it's top three. It's top three. Mm-hmm. Um, also, by the way, uh, Greg, who has never seen Friday Night Lights. Correct. Mike Leach, amazing cameo. In that show. Okay, I'll need to, I'll need to check it out one At day. a gas station, I'd there's swords won't. involved. It's great. Okay, I like it. So, we're done with fatty brisket talk, but this is mostly a food podcast, moonlighting as a college football podcast. Also, it's April. But yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, if you're looking for wall-to-wall college football talk, um, you just got to gotta kind of wait for things to, to really get cooking. Yes, so, so our unofficial spring tour continued last week we made our way down to the campus at the university of houston future republic of football guest major applewhite yeah i w- and i had nothing else going on so i was like i've never met coach applewhite let's do it and so i was like and i i love eating in the city of houston it's very true 
Before we get in there, Greg, you need to tell me what you found in the storage closet at the University of Houston. So we were sitting around waiting for Coach Applewhite to get out of a meeting, and I'm just tooling around in the storage closet and sitting there, just like sitting there as if it's just, I don't know, an apple, or sitting there as if it's just kind of... Any number know, of other fruits. Any number of other meaningless items is the 1978 Southwest Conference Football Championship Trophy. Just sitting there. Just sitting there. And it was, uh, there was a moment as a, I will say, board member of the Southwest Conference Appreciation Society. It was uh, a moment of, of, of pure joy, of, of really, like my heart was very full at that moment. But I also wanted that trophy to be appreciated more than it was. So I actually asked... Uh, superstar SID at the University of Houston, David Bassity, if we could just have the trophy. If it's just sitting there... I liked your chances. I will give it a good home here at the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership. It'll be Mothership. on TV every single day. Yes. Uh, he said he was working on it. I don't have high hopes. I don't either, but listen, keep up the fight. Keep up the That'd fight. That'd be an incredible... As we, as we look forward to the new studio... That would be an incredible addition. That really would be the crown jewel. I'm going to I'm going to email David Bassetti every week until we <laughs> own the 1978 uh, Southwest. Tell Conference him we'll trade games. him Vince Young's 2001 Player of the Year trophy. Boy. <laughs> what a what an odd what an oddly like misshapen trade that is. Listen, it doesn't have to be fair. Yes. it just has to be advantageous for us to I, be a good trade. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to today's show. Uh, a, a rough piece of news for football fans in Texas. Um, you know, I don't know where to start with this. I, I think I'll start a couple years back. Um, I had talked to TCU. Uh, TCU had graciously allowed me to tag along to uh, TCU night at Rangers Ballpark. And the besides the selling of Purple Rangers hats, the main attraction was uh, Trevon Boykin was going to throw out the first pitch. Uh, Trevon Boykin at this point was entering uh, his second season in Doug Meacham and Sonny Cumbie's offense at TCU. He had emerged as, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in college football. And, uh, you know, I found it would be a pretty uh, normal, interesting guy who sort of had a sense of what was happening to him and, and what the 2015 season was going to be like. Um, but he was one of the most entertaining players to ever come through the Big 12. Uh, you know, I remember the night at, at West Virginia. He had a crazy run, gets a high five from Dana Holgerson. That might be the high point besides the Orange Bowl uh, or besides the Peach Bowl win. That might be the high point of, of uh, the most memorable moment of Trevon Boykin's career. Uh, but there's no question that uh, in the last couple weeks we've seen the low point. Um his uh, longtime girlfriend accused him of punching her hard enough to break her jaw in uh, several places. Um, and he has since been arrested and uh, charged, and we will see how this plays out. But I think when, when stuff like this happens, you know, my question is always what can we learn from this situation? This is not something that we have not seen before. Um, but I also think who is served by us making sort of value judgments about people? You know, oh, he's a bad guy. Okay, maybe. Maybe he's not. Maybe he is. I don't think that's really an interesting or important point of discussion in this. But I think it, it, it serves to highlight, again, something that I think is easy to lose sight of as a fan of college football and for fans of teams of college football is that you know, there really is a gap in between what you see from these guys on Saturday and 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 what they are like in real life. It, it, covering them is not the same as dating them. Being around them, even if uh, you're a coach, uh, being around them in the facility every day is not the same as dating them. I always get really nervous when you hear coaches say, you know, oh, he's the kind of kid I want my daughter to bring home. It's like, I, I honestly don't know how well you know that. I don't know the answer to that question. And I think... It, this just highlights that gap, and I think a, a something that's always healthy for media to realize, for fans to realize, and that is that you don't know these people. Um, and I, I, it's just it's it's sad to see. I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying that I think it's fair to say, especially considering the reports that 
there is video of the incident that police have viewed, and I assume that that will be public before too long. Um, but it, it, it's just uh, it's a sad chapter. Um, I feel horrible for his uh, uh, ex. I guess you know his girlfriend or the, or the accuser. Um, they've been together a long time, and and the uh, WFAA did a nice job of getting her on camera and talking. And it's it's hard to watch, and I think it's you know because her mouth is still swollen. Um, it's obvious that it's. You know, uh, it's still obviously fresh for her. Um, it's just sad. It's sad for everyone involved. And I think that you bring up an interesting point about the gap that we see between what we see on the field and what and, and the actual person. Because I, I think that in a lot of respects w- with sports, and uh, especially I think football, that we feel like we know these people because we spend every Saturday with them or we spend every Sunday with them. And they, that's, that's, you know, not to lump him in with the, this is a perfect, you know, just a example out of the blue. That's Dak Prescott. I know Dak Prescott. He's the quarterback for the Cowboys. And, and you know what? I've seen him on TV doing some, you know, really good things, both on football, you know, on the football field, as well as, Hey, you know, I've seen him do charity things. You know, he must be a good guy. And I think that, I have no reason to believe that he's not a good guy. It sounds like Dak Prescott is a, is a model model citizen from everything that I know. But I do think that we have to remember that when we see these people on the field, that's 2% of them. And we don't judge, you know, it, I feel like sports are really the only place that we that we do that, that we, we make that value judgment uh, about what a, what is going on for the whole of the person based on such little information. The only other example would probably be politics, but I feel like we get to know more of the personality behind the politicians than we do with, with sports, uh, uh, kind of sports ath- uh, athletes, rather. Um, what's interesting to me, though, is this should be, unfortunately, the story of Trevon Boykin should be a real the kind of thing that you make a movie out of, okay? This is a guy who is a star at West Mesquite, uh, under-recruited, a three-star prospect. He basically chose TCU over UTEP, if that gives you a, a, a grasp on what his, you know, recruiting was like. And he was, remember, if you remember, before Doug Meacham and, uh, and Sonny Cumbie showed up, in a lot of respects, he was kind of written off. As he was like, not very good in, he was not uh, very in good. the previous office. And everyone just kind of set up, well, it was worth a try. It was worth a scholarship. He reinvented himself as a quarterback and, and, and found a way to be, you know, an all-Big 12 guy and, and, and the offensive player of the year in the Big 12. Fantastic player. Um, but unfortunately, this incident is just the latest in a trend of bad decisions, at the very least, uh, for Trevon Boykin. Of course, you remember uh, he was uh, uh, he was arrested right before the Alamo Bowl uh, after an early morning altercation uh, right before uh, the game. Uh, and then in 2017, in April, he was uh, arrested twice in 11 days uh, after driving uh, under the influence uh, into a uh, into a bar. Uh, there, there was that, uh, or into a nightclub rather, and, and seven people were sent to a hospital, uh, and, and then he violated his parole, and now this. And so, unfortunately, as much as we'd love to view this as an isolated incident, we can't. This is a trend, and unfortunately, in my view, it's sullying what should be a great story of a guy kind of overcoming uh, overcoming kind of the, not the odds necessarily, but being overlooked. And now his career is, in my opinion, rightfully probably over. Yeah, I, like I said, I think just uh, it's it's sad for everyone involved, mm-hmm. um, and just a a sad end to one of the more entertaining mm-hmm. football careers um, in this state and uh, certainly at TCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, so moving forward, uh, Tony Levine. A up and down tenure at the University of Houston. He was relieved of his duties after, uh, I believe, three seasons. And most recently had been the special teams coordinator at Purdue. 
Came to find out, couple at the end of last season, he left to pursue other opportunities. And uh, earlier this week, the great Bruce Feldman, in a story, released that that other that pursuit of other opportunities was becoming a franchisee for Chick Fil A. Yes, this sir. is just a great story. It's a great story all around. Uh, I don't even know where to start with this, uh, but I'll start here. Tony Levine is a genius because. <laughs> Here's the thing about coaching college football. It pays extremely well. Even if you are a position coach or whatever, it pays well. Quality of life, horrible. Horrible, horrible. I don't know how some of these guys do it. Uh, We have all missed out on our opportunities to be the official cardiologist of college football coaches. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're on the road all the time. They're always at a fundraising something or other. Uh, their entire livelihood is twofold, convincing teenagers to come to their campus Mm -hmm. and then figuring out a way to get those teenagers to do what they would like them to do and do it efficiently. It's not a, it's, it's, it's not a great gig for the quality of life. No, it's really not. And I'm, I'm a big believer that to be an F at least an FBS college football coach and, and listen, even the Division Two and Division Three coaches that I've I've met uh, fall into this category. You have to be a little bit crazy. Now that crazy can manifest itself in a variety of different ways. Some people are crazy, like Mike Leach, where they are just you know uh, a, a guy who is diversity eccentric. of interests. Exactly, he's eccentric, right? Uh, some of them uh, are like let's say Nick Saban, who just looks miserable all the time. Uh, and he just dives into his work. The pursuit of happiness that will never arrive. Constantly. Exactly. You have to be a little bit nuts to be a college football coach. And so, yeah, they are paid very well, but essentially they're paid because they don't get to see their family. They are working 22 hours of every day for pretty much year-round. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I look at this for Tony Levine buying a, a Chick-fil-A franchise in Missouri City, you know, the Fort Bend area down there in the Houston, as a tremendous victory for him. That is, that is to me, a brilliant maneuver. Obviously, you're going to be a little bit more relaxed there. It's, I don't think it's going to be as high octane, shall we say. It won't pay seven figures, but I think his family's going to eat. I think his family's going to... If gonna, nothing else, they'll eat a lot of chicken They'll nuggets. eat a lot of Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and, underrated in all this, he gets every Sunday off. It's true. It's true. About that. That's the thing. College coaches, like, the quality of life as a high school coach and an NFL coach leaps and bounds better. NFL coach, you can just coach football. There's not a lot of noise. You don't have to fundraise. You mm-hmm. don't have to worry about facilities. You don't have to recruit. You just, you got your guys. You got a GM that you can maybe wrestle with a little bit. But it's a much more simple job. College coaches just have to wear so many hats. And... To my knowledge, Chick-fil-A folks don't wear hats. So, maybe yeah, some of them do. Some of them. I think you can wear a cap fake if news. you want. My bad. Yeah, you are fake news. So, yes, props to Tony Levine for entering a chapter in his life upon which I can only assume he will be much happier. I think he'll be much happier. I think he'll be I think his stress level will come down. Um Obviously, with his name recognition and this getting out there, I bet he's going to do, not that he needs help getting business at Chick-fil-A, but one thing that I think is very interesting, is there a way that he can parlay his existing skill set as a college football coach into this? For example, if there is a hot fast food recruit out there that's just, let's say they're the number one fry cook in America, can he use his recruiting chops to go and and, and, and bring them in uh, and, and, you know, now you have to make him some promises. You know, of course, uh, yay, early playing time, okay? You're going to get behind that fryer day one. Naturally. Okay? You're going to get there. Um, you know, maybe there's uh, maybe you get to choose uh, choose you know your, your name tag. You know, you choose your number, you choose your name tag, uh, whichever you want. And, and again, I do wonder if there is something to be said. There may be some under-the-table payments of Polynesian sauce. It, it, a wide it, selection of fonts on the name tag. Also. Yeah, a wide selection of fonts. Maybe, maybe a sticker here and there on, An on the name tag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so... Uh, and and look, I, I think Tony Levine, I'll say this. Here's a bold take. <clears throat> I think Tony Levine is going to turn the Missouri City Chick-fil-A into one of the top ten Chick-fil-A's in America. There you go. 
That's it. I think he's a top ten. Chick-fil-A that take owner. is hot enough to fry a lot of nuggets. I so am, I'm <laughs> I, I I think that he's going to do big business down there, uh, and and I think that a lot of the name recognition. I think he's I think he's uniquely equipped. I think there's a lot of car- crossover between the skills it takes to be a college football coach and then the skills to be a Chick-fil-A franchisee. In Bruce's story, he did talk about how he kind of saw his front of the house guy and his back of the house guys as OC and his his mm-hmm. DC. But I think. You know, this sort of takes into another level of. I'm, I'm surprised we don't see more guy like the the money in college football is so great. I'm surprised we don't see more coaches get in, get that head coaching money, and get out. You know, I, I think um, Bob Stoops. I think will. Be, I've always thought he's going to be a trendsetter because the money in college football is so great that you can retire at 55. And in fairness, when I say Bob Stoops retired, I'm using air quotes. I am skeptical of that long term, mm-hmm. but. I'm. Sur- I think we will see that more often, and I think with that, you know, maybe he wouldn't have had this luxury in 1985. But there's not a lot of folks that can bankroll a Chick Fil A uh, without that head coaching money, and it helps. And I think it's also a competitive process. There's tens of thousands of people that apply yeah. for these franchise licenses, and they pick like a hundred. Yeah, I'm. I'm reading this right now. Yeah, they. They less than a hundred were picked out of forty thousand. Uh, and they've got a quote here from Kerry Curlander, uh, the VP of External Communications, that basically says like. You've got a you've got a you you are going through a job interview. You are being, you know, you have to represent Chick-fil-A in this perfect way. And look, I think I think this is a home run I think it's a home run hire for Chick-fil-A. I think I think they are going to be very pleased with this. This is a five-star Chick-fil-A franchisee recruit and they 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 landed him. Congrats to his family. Greg, if you were going to franchise one mm. fast food restaurant, mm. Let's say you became a college head coach, mm. and you found yourself in the business realm. Mm-hmm. If you were going to leave Dave Campbell's mm-hmm. for one fast food franchise, what would it be? This is a controversial, controversial pick, and I understand that it's controversial. Dairy Queen's my pick. Oh, I'm going to Dairy Queen. I understand. <sighs> but that is a flawed franchise. Listen to me. Listen to me. They serve a little bit of everything. And beyond that, you know, first and foremost, I am, my, my heart is full of red, white, and blue of the Texas flag. There's, there are few things at Texan as far as uh, the, uh, the fast food world is concerned as Dairy Queen. Are you going to get chicken fried steak at all locations? Getting chicken fried steak. Uh, you're getting the steak fingers. You're getting a lot of the things that I really like. It's a family operation. It, 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 it kind of... Uh, if you have a Dairy Queen in your town, as somebody who deals with a lot of small towns, uh, you know, in, in high school football world, if you have a Dairy Queen, that is the place to be. Plus, the Blizzard. The Blizzard is an elite, elite fast food dessert. It is the elite fast food dessert. It is the five-star number one prospect of the, of, of the fast food desserts. And so I would go, I would go with, uh, with Dairy Queen. As a dipped cone man. Ooh. I I disagree, but okay. I I can I can see that I, I have see that. I have my convictions. What about you? I think for me, it might honestly be. So I'm I'm a little bit of an Asian food enthusiast. Hmm. In all forms, I might go payway. Interesting. Is it all right? Is payway fast food or is it fast casual? It's fast casual, mm. but there's fast in there. Okay. Can't. So then I could have chosen Chili's. Chili's isn't fast casual. You sit down at Chili's. You were you were, you got waitress. There's no waitresses or waiters okay. at at Payway. All right. They have stagehands, whatever you call those folks. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm going Payway. Okay, that's where I'm at. That's fine. Uh, that brings us to this week's guest, uh, North Texas coach Seth Luttrell. He's worked for a lot of the best coaches in the game, most notably Bob Stoops and Mike Leach. And now he's building at North Texas, uh, a place that, you know, we'll talk about this, but oddly has not had more success over the years. Uh, I don't really know why. I don't think Seth has a great grasp of why either, but he does have a great grasp of how to make the mean green into a winner. He has done that. Uh, He's got the best quarterback in the state, Mason Fine. How's that for a dizzying fact? I don't think there is a even someone close to a person has a argument to challenge that he's absolutely I, I, if i may chime in i know you're doing intro there's no doubt about it that makes yeah, he's the, the, best. the best the best quarterback I'm um 
and they've got a great shot to win Conference USA. I think the fact that Kendall Bryles left Florida Atlantic definitely helps them. Uh, plus, like I mentioned before, he tells one of the best Mike Leach stories I have ever heard. So here is our chat. You'll learn a lot about the Mean Green. You will learn a lot about Seth. And you will come out of this knowing a great Mike Leach factoid. Here's our interview. So, Seth, I, I wanted to start. What, what percentage of your players know that you have uh, won a national championship? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I think most of them do by now. Okay. Um, you know, I think uh, you know, it's been talked about a little bit kind of through our championship run. Okay. All the guys in our staffs that have either competed for them, played for them, um, a number of guys. So, you know, we've uh, – uh, they talk about it a little bit, um, and uh, you know they're they're always intrigued by it, and so they'll ask me questions here and there. But uh, we have fun with it. Mm -hmm. You've ever uh, you say you didn't get a chance to go up against Bob? What's that? You say you didn't get a, get get a chance to go up against Bob before he uh, before he he retired. Coaching against Bob? Yeah, nah, we're good to go. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, he's a great man, an unbelievable coach, and uh, you know that would have been a. Uh, a weird situation in a way, <laughs> but you know, again, along the way, as as we move forward, we've 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 had to play against friends. You know, Sonny Dykes and I are really really tight. You know, and you know, playing against uh, Dana Holgerson at times when I was at different spots, and you play against a lot of your friends. I mean, in this profession, um, you know, it's a it's a it's a pretty uh, tight group of men, and, and especially in coaching, and you're going to have some type of uh, friend on one staff or the other that you're always going to have to compete against and on Saturday you go out there and, and do your job and everybody understands that they're going to do their jobs but um, you know we uh, we have a lot of fun uh, other than that Saturday. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your, your sort of transition into uh, into coaching like when you first started when you look back at yourself there kind of you know what what got you into this and then what sort of how do you see the difference in yourself now? And I knew I was fortunate. I knew at an early age uh, I wanted to be a, a football coach, um, you know, really uh, starting in junior high. Um, and uh, so I was very fortunate. I had guys that, um, you know, along the way, there were so many guys that really helped me grow and, and, and took care of me. Even my high school coaches letting me sit on film and um, understanding the ins and outs of uh, the offense we ran there in the wing tee, understanding what they were doing up front and blocking schemes and um, you know, a lot of schematical stuff. So uh, it, it was great for me. And then getting into college and, you know, being able to be around a lot of great mentors, great men that, uh, you Those know. Those are crazy again, staff. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, 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 you know, Coach Blake, who brought me in uh, from there to, to Dick Winder to, um, you know, when Coach Stoops got in there, bringing in Mike, Mike Leach and uh, Mark Mangino. So I've, I've been blessed to have been around a lot of great men. And, and they were not only great football coaches, but they, uh, you know, they took care of their, their players and um, really developed me. And uh, again, along the way, you learn so much from so many different guys, from position coaches to head coaches, um, the guys that I, you know, Coach Mangino took me uh, my first job. I uh, graduate assistant there at uh, University of Kansas and I learned a tremendous, a tremendous amount from him. And then Mike Leach hired me as a young running backs coach for my first full-time job. Uh, uh, was a true blessing and always be so grateful to him and the things that he taught me um, you know when I was out at Lubbock for those four years and going with Mike Stoops for, to him allowing me to uh, you know grow and, and become a coordinator under him first time coordinator and calling it and um, to shoot Kevin Wilson uh, one of the better offensive minds I've ever been a part of and around and all the way to, to Larry Fedora you know just taught me how to really become a head coach, how organized he was, and how to manage the staff. You know, again, um, you know, you, you take a little bit from every, every one of your coaches, and those are just the head coaches. That's not even talking about the, the different guys that you've been around and coached with or, or your position coaches. Again, um, you take a little bit from each one, and, and at the end of the day, you, you kind of grow and um, kind of make it your own, and everybody has to be their own personality. and. And uh, so, uh, again, it's been a blessing, and I'm very fortunate to have been a lot of, uh, around a lot of great people. Mm -hmm. I talked to Mark a couple times last year. You talk about, or you ever considered bringing him in for a couple days or, or as an analyst or anything like that? More, which more? Mangino. Coach yeah. Mangino. Yeah. Coach Mangino and I have talked, uh, you know, over the years. Again, he was a, a great mentor of mine and a person that uh, really took care of me, especially early on in my coaching career. Um, and, you know, even his son, who's in, in coaching as well, Tom. Mm -hmm. uh, Tommy and I still uh, stay in touch and follow each other, but uh, you know, coaches. Uh 
coach is a great coach. Uh, he, he, he's done a lot of great things, uh, you know, not only in coaching, but, you know, the way he takes care and mentors his, his players. Um, I have a lot of respect for him. And shoot, who knows down the road what will happen. Mm -hmm. When you, you know, we, we've seen at this program, people have been able to win and, and have, had, have struggled to sustain it. For you guys, what about your philosophy makes you confident that, that you can kind of keep this going, keep building, and keep, uh, you know, having this program be at, at an upper trajectory? Well, I think first and foremost, just your culture, uh, what you instill and what your culture is and making sure that uh, you don't relax. I think sometimes that relaxed syndrome uh, really hurts you um, just a little bit. It will it'll get you beat. And I think every single year you have to reset and go back to your base fundamentals and uh, your base core values and, and truly uh, what that means for our football team. And that's something that, uh, you know, our coaching staff, we hold each other accountable, they hold me accountable, and then it goes down to our players, to our core values. And that's something we stress every single day, uh, but we reset it every year and, um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, in the future that'll, that'll pay off. How would you describe what, what is North Texas's culture? Selfless, tough, and discipline. You know, those are the three words that I've used since the first day I walked in this building. You know, and making sure that uh, you take strain off your teammates, being a selfless person, being a great teammate, uh, making sure we're disciplined in everything we do and we hold each other accountable to those standards. And uh, man, you gotta be tough, uh, mentally and physically, and it's a challenge. It's not only uh, on the football field you have to be tough, but uh, you have to be mentally uh, tough off the field, you know, through all the, uh, the different schedules that they have outside of football from study hall to the training table to community service to going to class. Um, you know, it's a lot on the, these, uh, these young men. And so you got to be mentally tough and, and um, to over, overcome all, all the different obstacles that they may have in front of them. And, um, but the great thing is within our culture, uh, again, uh, we, we help each other and uh, we're, we're a family here. And again, you got to be a selfless teammate in order to help others. Yeah, how do you settle on that? I mean, you see, you've got you got it on your on your on your uh, uh, shades here. Like, how do you sort of develop? Like, when I have a program, this is what you know. I'm going to be selfless, tough, discipline. How, how does that? How do you kind of come up with that? How do you build that? I think it comes back to who you are and what your core values are. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, again, I think you have to be yourself. Um, as soon as you try to start trying to be somebody else and uh, maybe trying to, I can't be Larry Fedora. Uh, you know, it's not my complete personality, and so. Again, you take different things from every single coach you've been with, every position coach and other guys you've worked with, and uh, there's going to be strengths, that uh, some stuff that you really have, have liked and some stuff that maybe doesn't fit you as well. And um, again, you, you just have to be yourself and understand what your core values are. Uh, you know, what, are we gonna, what am I going to hold myself accountable to? Um, because first and foremost, it starts with me. Everything does. So, you know, I'm not going to be able to ask my players to do something if uh, I'm not going to do it myself. So. Again, it's just over the years, you know, kind of finding your niche and um, what you believe in and, and kind of how what you envision your program looking like. The guys that you worked for, you know, Mangino, Leach, the Stoops brothers, Larry, what, where do you see them in yourself as you sort of build your own program? Like, what did you take away from them that, that, you've, that you've built into the foundation of, of your program? Every one of them, uh, there's a lot of things I've learned from every single one of them, but, you know, the first things that come to mind, you know, Coach Mangino, he's, uh, he's a hard worker. Every single day he's going to wake up and he's going to grind, uh, and he's going to make sure that, you know, his program is, uh, he puts his program, you know, uh, above everything and, and get the job done. I mean, he's, he's a roll up your sleeves and grind it out type of guy, and it's just his work ethic, uh, the things that he did at Kansas, the way he uh, took that program to shoot the Orange Bowl. Uh, and and, and uh, did a lot of great things. Coach Coach Leach, uh, just believing in your systems, understanding that uh, there's a lot of great systems out there, uh, but you know we know the answers to this system. We're going to continue to develop our guys within the system, keep it simple, let them play fast, and uh, you know just just do your uh, be you. You know don't you don't have to do too much. Um, and again. Coach Stoops, the energy he brought every single day to his program uh, was second to none. You know, he's he's uh, he he was a, a high energy guy, um, but he also put his players and staff before himself. He was a complete selfless type of guy. Um, you know, he, he has a huge heart. That's one thing people wouldn't know about Coach Stoops, and he loves his players, he loves his staff, and he's going to do everything. Um, you know, to help them as well. Um, Kevin Wilson, just his knowledge of the game, offense, defense, special teams, he knew a lot, uh, you know, he, he knows football. He's probably, again, he's probably one of the smartest coaches I've ever been around, just being able to sit in meeting rooms with him all day long. And not only talking offensive uh, 
schemes, but defensive stuff, what where, where guys are, what, what their fits are, who the conflict players are. Um, you know, I, I learned a lot of football probably uh, in that two-year period that I was with, with uh, Kevin. Um, you know, that was my knowledge really grew uh, about the game. And then, you know, Coach Fedora, again, just the way he managed his staff. Um, he was extremely organized. Uh, he did a great job managing the staff, managing the team. Very positive, high-energy guy. Um, you know, I don't believe I would have been ready uh, to be a head coach if I hadn't had the opportunity to work with Larry. He did a great job. Mm -hmm. You know, this program specifically, we were talking earlier, I mean, you guys are, are you know, in, you got great facilities, you're, you can stand on the top of the stadium and throw a football and hit, you know, a, an FBS caliber talent. What do you think has kept this program from being, uh, you know, a, a consistent winner? You're obviously in a great area, you guys have kind of got it going. What, what do you feel like has been the difference for you guys and, and what has kept this program from, from being what it, I can't, it could be? I can't really, uh, you know, talk about the past. I wasn't here, and mm -hmm. so I don't know the ins and outs of what went on, but I do know this. What, what's uh, really helped us uh, moving forward and, and starting to have some success, and it starts with our president, our board of regents, our, our president, um, and RAD. Those guys are unbelievable. There's no egos. Everybody's on the same page. And uh, it, it's all about what can we do to make our student athletes experience better on and off the field. Um, and they want to be great. Uh, this is a place that, uh, you know, it's an unbelievable university. It's a tier one institution, one of the top 100 educations in the country. Um, and you got, uh, you know, uh, now you know, putting in the resources here, whether it's in the nutrition, uh, whether it's building an indoor, whether it's uh, academic uh, services to where you know your tutors, your mentors, your, your academic advisors. Um, you know, a lot of things uh, go into winning football games, and they do a great job of communicating. Um, you know, communicating to me what what do we need uh, to continue to get better every single year, and what do our student athletes need to be successful. Mm -hmm. What uh, you guys were able to turn it around so quickly here? What do you remember about sort of establishing in those first few weeks? You know, this time a couple of years ago that you feel like you're kind of seeing the fruits of now. Well, I think that it's still about building relationships and coming in. You know, I'd been in a very similar uh, position to where they were sitting. Uh, you know, my uh, going into my junior year, uh, we get a new head coach with uh, Bob Stoops and. You know, the relationships that, as a player, I know just the relationships you had built with the previous staffs, it's a challenge. It's, it's difficult to, you know, see some of the men that uh, were great mentors to you or, or, or great coaches, and um, they were on their way out and having to build new relationships with the coaches coming in. Um, and so just the transition aspect, I, I knew um, what they were going through. And, you know, my whole, my whole thing was I'm not coming in here to, uh, you know, I understand you're going to have to, I'm going to have to earn your trust. Uh, we're going to build that relationship and um, whether I recruited you or not, you're my family now. And uh, at the end of the day, we go, we're going to take care of each other. Uh, we're going to work hard together. Um, and, you know, this is our core values. This is what we're going to believe in. It's going to take a tremendous, uh, a lot of hard work uh, and everybody's going to have to buy in. You know, as, as soon as everybody starts pulling the rope in the same direction, uh, you, you're going to start seeing some of that. Um, you know, the fruits of your labor, you're going to see some of that start paying off. Mm -hmm. our, our guys, our men did a great job of buying in. You know, there's always, through any transition, uh, there's some bumps in the road along the way. Um, and there's different challenges you have to deal with, but they have been very, uh, they've persevered through all the different challenges. And again, they, there's no finger pointing. It's offense, defense, special teams. We're all one, uh, one family. And they've done a good job of uh, building that team chemistry and and the relationships our coaches have built with these guys uh, has been great as well. So I think that trust factor's there. And mm -hmm. every single year it gets better. What was the biggest hurdle or the biggest challenge that you, you felt like you, you had to knock down to get this program from being the one that was struggling to one that's a division champion? I think one, just building, uh, you know, again, I, I truly believe in it's about the relationships, the trust, but also, you know, getting here, you're only you're on uh, what 67 scholarship players, and so your depth was really low. And so, just being able to go out there and evaluate, signing good classes, but also uh, the walk-on programs, the guys that uh, you know you go out there beating the bushes, trying to find guys that uh, believe in your program enough to to where they may pay their first or second year, um, and you know, getting good quality players that uh, you know are, are going to help our program not only playing but adding depth. Because that's been the biggest, uh, that's been the biggest challenge. 
Uh, but we've we've gotten some great guys that have come in here, worked hard, shoot started. Uh, Mike Law, take for instance, he was our leading receiver this past year uh, as a walk-on, and I mean, you know, and and Turney's earned a scholarship, and so. You know, I think that's that was important, and that's a credit to our coaching staff. They really did a great job building the relationships uh, on the road recruiting in their areas to where, um, you know, they would get different phone calls for uh, kids that, you know, these coaches believed uh, had Division One talent and, um, you know, helped us target kids that we could get to walk on and, and be a part of our program. But any anything, the, the, the lifeline of your, your program is always going to be recruiting, and that's another a uh, big thing that we've worked extremely hard at, you know, putting uh, seven coaches in these four counties. Each coach has between 30 and 35 schools in their area, uh, in their primary area, and going out and just hitting those schools every time you're out, building those relationships and knowing the community. Um, and so it, it's been great. Again, our, our coaches have worked extremely hard at that, and I'm very proud of them. When you talk about building relationships within this program, like how do you do that? How do you establish that early on? What, what are the kinds of things? Well, it depends on what you're talking. It depends on out on the road recruiting. You go in and, and someone's school, and you don't just rush in and out. What about more in the program? What between players and coaches and, and guys that are in the building? What, what what does that look like? Well, I think it's it's no different than um, building a relationship within your family. You know, mm -hmm. being able to communicate and have an open door policy. Our you know your players wanting to be up at the facility, hanging out with each other, doing different uh, activities in the weight room. Our coaches and players, shoot, I'm, we're down there uh, at lunch working out. Why do we do that? Because we ask them to do that. And so um, them being able to see you do that, again, our players are up here and, and maybe in between classes, uh, eat lunch, uh, hang out, um, something's on the TV, watch it. You know, let's, you, you just want to be around them. And again, the more you're around uh, somebody, the more you open up. and. Again, different guys have different personalities as well. So, uh, you know, uh, a receiver, Mike Law, who, uh, you know, Coach Maynard, Coach Mike Law, um, what other relationships does he have in the building? It's not just about Coach Maynard. I mean, he may not uh, feel as comfortable with me as he does, let's say, Coach Choice. And so just building that relationship. All of our coaches, it's not just about your position group. It's getting around these young men, um, getting to know them. Uh, and and trying to make build that bond and that trust and and you know uh, you never know when somebody else uh, may fit you and and help you along the way to where you have that trust factor where they they can come to you if it's in your position or not. So mm -hmm. just understanding that uh, on both sides, you know, we're all in this thing together. We care about each other, and um, you know, we're going to do everything to help each other become successful. Yeah, well, you guys have so many guys in the Dallas area. What kind of uh, uh, credibility? Did, did Tishard bring to this staff? I mean, guys, are there guys on this team who remember watching him as a kid? Like, what, what is that like for him? I, I think it's, uh, he's done a, f a great job. Uh, you know, he, he, he relates well to the players. He's a great teacher. He's played in the system. Uh, you know, he's played a lot of football, obviously, uh, not only in college, but on the professional level. Um, and so he's been around a lot of different uh, things. There's probably very few things that he hadn't done uh, offensively as a player. And so just being a, a guy that has experienced some of those things, uh, understanding what they're going through in different situations and pass pro, uh, seeing and reading defenses and different run game stuff. So uh, he does a great job with that group. And again, um, you know, the chemistry that they have is, and, and that they're building has been special. And, uh, and it's not only with his position group, but others as well, like we talk about. He does a great job. And, uh, with these young men and not only on the field but off the field just he's a great mentor he's a great leader and um, you know just also you know providing them with the necessary tools for down the road mm -hmm. uh, for life after football this team that, that you're building right now how do you f see this team differing from from what you guys had in 2017 we'll see i mean every every year is different every year is um you know we're not like I told last group, uh, you know, this group will never be together again after this, our, our bowl game. And so every year is a reset. Again, we have a lot of returning starters. We have a lot of returning experience, guys that played a lot. Um, and that's all great. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we can have the same success we had this past year um, because it is a different team. There's, there's different obstacles. There's, there's different challenges. Um, so we'll see. I think time will tell. Uh, but I do like the way uh, they came in uh, after, um, you know, their Christmas break. They have a chip on the shoulder. Uh, they were ready to work and 
It's been uh, great energy out there at practice. Um, and so again, I'm, I'm excited to see how we can, this is just the first quarter. So kind of how we finish up spring, uh, get a little extra time on the back end with our strength and conditioning coaches and, and letting them get them bigger, stronger, and faster. They've made great strides in the weight room. You can really just tell guys that played uh, Rico Boosie, for uh, example, I think he played about 185 this past season. Mm -hmm. Right now he's weighing about 210. Um, Mike Law's up to about 190 pounds. So, you know, just continuing to build that aspect of it. And then, you know, again, you got to have a great summer and, and kind of fall camp and, and see where you're at. But I'm excited about this group. I think our chemistry um, is very good. I think we'll have our best locker room uh, since we've been here. Again, meaning um, guys just being on the same page, um, enjoy hanging out with each other. I think our locker room is going to be great. So. I'm really ex excited about the potential of this group. Mm -hmm. What uh, you know, F FAU obviously feels like a juggernaut down there. You guys struggled with them last year. What, what, where does this program need to grow to catch up to them and surpass them and, and be able to win a conference title? Well, I, I think, uh, one, um, you always got to continue to do a great job on the recruiting trail. Um, you know, I feel like uh, they have uh, a good group of players that are very talented. Um, you know, their speed. Uh, is second to none in the conference, mm -hmm. and uh, they had a great coaching staff. Coach Giffen did a great job uh, on all three phases, and uh, as coaches, we got to continue to do a better job of uh, evolving, uh, making sure that uh, we're doing all the necessary things to do in our system to make sure we're putting our players in the best positions to be successful. And uh, again, we got to continue to develop these young men that are here and continue to recruit um, and bring in great players that are going to. Um, great competition to make everybody better. Yeah, you mentioned that staff. What, what did you think of Kendall Braz leaving the conference but rejoining the state here? <laughs> hey, uh, to each his own. You know, everybody's everybody's situation's a little bit different. And, um, you know, he, uh, sure he has family here and sure. uh, from this area. And so, you know, again, I, I can't speak for Kendall, but, uh, you know, again, I thought uh, Coach Giffen did a great job. He had a great staff. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure he'll uh, continue to uh, replace great coaches with great coaches. Mm -hmm. what, uh, where do you think Mason can still grow? Where, what are you guys kind of working on or, or emphasizing for him in the spring? Well, we, we, he's still got to continue to grow on taking care of the football. I think this past year, um, you know, and that, those are all our turnovers this past year, though, not all of them were on him. Uh, a lot of people want to look at the quarterback for interceptions when, um, you know, a number of factors play into that, whether up front, uh, making sure we protect the quarterback, making sure uh, we're running the route, uh, the right routes. Um, but also, he needs to continue to learn how to manage the game, uh, taking care of the football, making sure that uh, we're not taking sacks, getting ourselves in, uh, you know, long yardage situations. Uh, just continuing to grow with that aspect of the game. Uh, he's gotten so much better. He, he's he's really comfortable within the offense. I think. Um, you know, he, he understands what we're trying to get accomplished, accomplished offensively. Um, he's seen a lot of different defenses, and he's got to continue to grow in that area, just understanding what people are trying to do to him and, and trying to do it to our offense to take away certain things. Um, but uh, overall, I think he's, he's a student of the game. Uh, there's one thing about Mason. Uh, he understands what his strengths are, and he understands what his weaknesses are. And I can promise you, every single day he wakes up, he's, he's – He's focused in on those weaknesses, and uh, uh, he's gonna he's gonna grow, and um, he's gonna be twice the player he was next year. How would you quantify his impact on this team? Like, where do you see his imprint and his background, his story? Like, where do you see that impacting like, the other he, eighty guys? I think he's a huge impact on our not only our team as a player. Um, you know, uh, you better have a good quarterback in today's age, and uh, you know, I feel like he's a guy that um, can be special. I really do. Uh, I think he's probably one of the top guys in our league. Um, and so uh, he's, a, he's a big impact on our team. But the things you don't see are what he does in the locker room, what type of teammate he is. You know, the, um, you know he's starting to become more vocal, starting to hold guys accountable uh, to our standards. And that's the hardest thing for any of our players is to hold each other accountable. It's hard to hold your peers accountable. It's just like our coaching staff. It's hard for those guys at times to hold me accountable. And that's what I ask for. And so... Uh, you know, once we start getting to that point and guys like Mason and, and some other guys are stepping up doing those things, uh, you, you know you're growing as a football team. 
What do you feel like is your most uh, memorable moment with Mason over your first two years here? Well, what sticks out to you when you think about you guys' relationship? Yeah, we've had a lot of great memories so far in the last two years, you know, ups and downs. Um, but probably one that comes to my mind right now is just the, uh, the two-minute drive versus UTSA. He was poised and he made a ton of great plays. Guys stepped up around him and made plays. Uh, Rico Bussey made a huge play. Mike Law made a huge play. Oh, man. It, uh, but for him to, to have the confidence to go in there and um, – you know, do the, do what we did in that last minute um, to go 90 yards and having to score a touchdown to win the football game. He was very poised, and um, you know it rubs off on other guys. Now people understand, our team understands. Uh, as long as there's time on that clock, we got a chance to win the football game. So, what is that like for for you as a coach? You see, you know, this thing that you've built starts to run. You see it come through with a drive like that. What is that like for you to kind of? When the locker room's clear and everybody's gone, and you sort of sit down and, and you sort of think about, man, like we're kind of this this thing feels different. What what is that like for you as a coach? You know, some of those it's it's, it's hard to do during the season. Um, you know, you through some of your ups and downs, we got on a pretty good stretch this season that uh, was a lot of fun. Um, but you really don't get to take it all in until after the season. Um, and then you kind of sit back, and that's kind of when you get to you know reflect on some of the different situations that happened good and bad throughout the year um, but uh, you know it is it's very rewarding not not for me but just for our coaching staff and our players again the way everybody is bought in um, you know the how everybody works together there's no egos uh, and again the way our, our players have bought in I, I think that's what makes you as proud as anything because it has been a challenge and it uh, uh, some uh, it's been a day. I mean, all, all transitions are challenging. And so uh, I'm just proud of the fact that, again, coaches and players alike have uh, worked as hard and, and bought in as well as they have. When you look back on the season, I mean, how would you describe what you guys accomplished in 2017? Like, what, what is that? How, how do you describe that? Um, you know, I think we accomplished a lot in the sense of gaining confidence, understanding that week in and week out, how do you practice, how do you prepare, uh, and it's all going to dictate on how well you play in a game. And I thought, um, you know, we took a step towards uh, having weeks of great preparation that carried over uh, into the next game. And again, we got on a run that really built some of that confidence up. Uh, different guys, different weeks, we're stepping up making plays. You have five, four or five guys go over 500 yards receiving, different playmakers. Guys had to step up for Jeffrey Wilson when he goes down. So, you're, you know, those running back, it took a lot of different guys to do the things that we did. Um, and so we took a big step, um, but at the end of the day, we still have a lot to accomplish. We still haven't accomplished the goal of winning our bowl game. Yeah, I think uh, when people outside look at this program, they say, okay, they're building, you know, you guys bring back so much, you know, they're, you know, they got to the this conference championship last year. Now they got to, you know, go try and win it again. But you're on the inside. You see the, the things in this team. You see the, the, the flaws, the imperfections. What keeps you up at night when you look at this team and where you guys need to be by the time the season gets here? To me, it's all about getting a day better. You know, you're always, as a coach, um, you know, it's, it's making sure that these guys – don't relax, you know, and again, uh, sometimes when you have just a little bit of success, uh, guys think you have it all figured out. Uh, we're a long way from away from where we need to be um, in order to win a championship. And I think just making sure that your coaches and players stay on edge every single day, understanding that, um, you know, we, we still have a lot of work to do in order to get to where we want to be. And Again, they've done a great job embracing that, and we got a great coaching staff that uh, you know holds each other and our players accountable to those standards. And um, you know, but again, we got to continue to de develop the, that depth and develop these players. Um, you know, we're losing. Uh, we didn't lose much, but some of the guys we did lose uh, were very productive players for us. How do you instill that in your guys? The idea that that, that you know there, there's no time to relax, even if you want a bunch of games. Educate, How do you do that? Ed, educate them every single day, and again, making sure that your coaches, your strength staff, is are always relaying the same message as you are. And you know, you, you got to if you don't talk about it, uh, if you don't educate them on it, um, you know, 
they don't know any better. And so I think it's just a constant message of we're not where we need to be yet. Mm -hmm. You guys, about halfway through spring at this point, who's sort of caught your eye of guys that uh, uh, are, are making a bigger impact than, than even you maybe could have expected? I think a lot of the young guys really are, are I'm, I'm a, I've been, it's been fun watching some of those young old linemen really grow up. You mm -hmm. know, Jacob Brammer has done a great job uh, out there at right tackle. Um, he's had a lot of great reps and uh, really starting to get more comfortable as he goes. Uh, Manasse Mose, uh, another uh, guy that we redshirted this past year, has, has flashed, uh, has some, shown some really good flashes of being a great player. Um, you know, uh, Brandon Witherspoon, another kid at left tackles, getting a lot of reps, um, starting to get some more competition up front. Um, I really feel like that young line group, all five of those guys that we redshirted, have a chance to be uh, special players in the future. Really excited about that group. Um, you know, you look at uh, Mason's really, uh, uh, you can tell he feels a lot more comfortable and he's, every single day he goes out there and works, he learns uh, something new about the offense. It's been fun to watch him continue to grow. Defensively, you see guys like EJ, uh, he's been, he's been running around fast, hitting people hard. Uh, you know, I think he's a lot more comfortable in the system. Uh, the linebackers are timing up those blitzes, all those guys are timing it up better. Uh, I feel like they have a better knowledge and understanding. Um, uh, and so I think they're, they're able to play faster, which has been fun to watch. Uh, some of those DB, we moved Trey Siggers, a guy that we redshirted this past year, moved him to safety. Mm -hmm. uh, he's, he's been fun to watch. Uh, Cam out there at corner, uh, he's continued to put great days together. Um, man, um, a lot of guys have, have flashed, you know, and it, it's fun watching more for me than the younger guys uh, that uh, really just seeing them grow up in the system and, and getting out there, they're hungry. Uh, and again, they're starting to get to a place where that, that competition, those older guys are, eyes are opening up a little bit saying, hey, I better get on my business. Because mm -hmm. uh, these guys are coming, they're hungry, they want to be great. And so, again, overall, I've been pleased uh, so far with, uh, you know, the, the spring. Uh, but again, we got to continue to, we have a few more scrimmages that'll be important for us. We still have some different situations that, uh, you know, we got to put them in to help us grow uh, overall in all three phases. And so we still have a lot of work to do, but as of, as of now, uh, we're pleased of how well it's going. What are the, the questions for you that you want answered uh, about this team, that you want this team to answer for you by the time you guys kick it off? Make sure we're better up front on both sides of the football, making sure uh, we can protect the quarterback. Uh, which we're getting an opportunity with all the different things we see in practice from our defense. Uh, they're getting an opportunity to prove it. And so I, that's it really is going to start up there. It always does. I want to make sure we're a smart football team, uh, taking care of the football offensively. Uh, we need to get more turnovers as a defense, as aggressive as, aggressive as, as we play. Uh, we still need to hawk the ball more, uh, getting strips. And uh, offensively, uh, we, we still need to stress third down situations. Um, you know, we were better this past year on medium and long yardage situations. Uh, we were poor on short yardage. Uh, and that's something that, um, you know, we have to get a lot better on. And that, again, a lot of that comes down to being a physical football team. Uh, defensively, we got to do a much better job on third and long situations. We got people in long yardage situations this past year and we didn't get off the field. We gave up way too many uh, big plays on third down. And those are, those are the things that we're stressing right now. And again, defense is, uh, I've been really pleased with uh, how they've been been going. Our first scrimmage, they I think they gave up one explosive and over 100 plays, which is uh, something that we've really been uh, working on. Uh, third downs were a lot better, and they were tackling guys in open space. Keep the ball in front of you and, and force them to, again, drive the field. Don't give them anything uh, big and uh, make sure they earn everything they get. And uh, uh, they've been doing that, and again, all those situations that we just talked about, those are things we have to continue to improve on. And uh, the good thing is, is we know what our, our weaknesses are. Now we just got to continue to work at it and, and get better. Mm -hmm. uh, finally, I want to ask you uh, your opinion. You had transfer reform 
is on the table. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on how the transfer rule could change? Because I feel like guys that are at small schools, the, 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 the issue that always comes up is, you know, we're going to have to re-recruit our, our, our roster every year, or in your case, like a guy like Mason. You know, Texas doesn't have a quarterback, and they say, hey, let's go get, you know, let's see what Mason can do. If you were writing the rules, what would you like the transfer rules to look like in college football? Again, uh, it's such a hard, hard subject because you view it from a coach's perspective and from a student athlete's perspective. Um, you know, I'm, I'm one for, I can just, if it's my son, you know, if you're going to commit and, and um, uh, make sure that you're going to go to a certain university and, and uh, you're going to go there, you're going to work extremely hard. and. Um, those guys are coaching you and developing you, build those relationships, uh, I think you need to stick it out. Um, now obviously there's, there's always time and a place to where, um, you know, if, if something, too many different scenarios, you know, that to where, uh, yeah, I understand why, why some kids transfer and it's not always because they're not playing. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different factors that play into it, but I still believe in um, holding true to your commitments uh, as a coach and as a player, uh, but at the same time, um, I understand the point of view uh, from uh, when coaches leave as well. And there's student athletes here that we recruited. Um, you know, obviously we have a different type of a penalty. It's called a buyout. <laughs> uh, so we do pay penalties, but at the same time, we don't lose years of eligibility. And so I see both sides of it. It's, uh, I, could, I could honestly see both sides of it in the sense of I, th I think there's positives on both ends, uh, but I also think there's some negatives as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, finally, you have a good Mike Leach story. <laughs> I have too many Mike Leach stories. <laughs> uh, Is there one that stands out to you? Man, everybody always asks me these stories. Uh, or do I have Mike? I Leach never coached them. I have a good Mike Leach story. <laughs> <laughs> Which one do you have? Just he 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 loves to do just his 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 longer interviews on his walk to work. Every day he's out in Pullman. He walks like a mile and a half to work every day, and that's when he does interviews. So he'll be he'll pause an interview. He'll stop, talk to some neighbor about anything. Like, uh, what were you saying? What was that question? <laughs> I got a ton of Mike Leach stories. But, you know, the, the, probably one of the, the you know some coaches. I, I was actually recruiting out in Oklahoma one time, and Coach Leach was with me, and uh, they they knew Coach Leach was a history buff, but they also knew that uh, you know, hey, Coach was with me, and I had a lot of different stops. I you know I had to be at in different um, places I'd be in the sense of kind of on the road recruiting. Uh, but he found out where Geronimo was buried, and so uh, it went from uh, uh, one you know one high school to seeing one of our uh, guys that were committed to us to uh, going to see Geronimo and and all the different history about that the rest of the day. So, Do you put it in the book? I, I, I would have I, to think I, so. I, maybe so. <laughs> uh, but uh, I do know this. When, uh, uh, when he found out about Geronimo and his, uh, his I guess, his gravesite, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> you have any, any books on Indian chiefs in the works? You going to be working on one of those? Man, not, me. Uh, <laughs> not me. I'm not, I'm not much of a writer. I'm going to leave that up to the smart people. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks again for the time, Seth. It's great to talk to you and, and get, to, uh, get to know you and, and your program. So thanks Thank for you. giving us the appreciate time. It. Anytime. Thank you. Now, we have talked a little bit too much about food oh, God. already. <laughs> but I can't leave without a prescribed food corner. There were some football tie-ins to all of the other food conversations. There is not with this particular one. Uh, on our trip to Houston, mm. we stayed at the... Thanks to Greg, Priceline Wizard. Wizard, I really am. He is. I've I've learned his ways. I like to think of myself as a Priceline apprentice, mm -hmm. inexperienced, but mm -hmm. I've got the head knowledge. I just got to get the field experience. Um, we stayed at uh, the Magnolia downtown, gorgeous hotel. Um, and at the entrance, there's a little place called Cafe Paris. Now, low key. I'm a bit of a crepe enthusiast. Oh my gosh! Shout, <laughs> shout We're just going in, aren't we? Shout, shout out to the original Pancake House. Great crepes there. There is a gap. There's a. There's a. We'll call it a deficit of crepes in the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex. Um, this is really happening, isn't it? It is happening. This is happening. Uh, I was very pleased to see they had a create your own crepe. Now, Greg did not. 
Greg did not partake. But I recently had a strawberry Nutella crepe at the Magic Pan at the Denver airport. <laughs> and I capped it off with nothing, nothing gets you more ramped up and ready to go for a visit to the University of Houston campus like a little strawberry Nutella crepe. I want to physically distance from the microphone as a way of describing <laughs> how I'm physically distancing from this conversation. Listen, Greg mocked me for this sentence, but I've had a lot of bad crepes in my day. I've made about half of those bad crepes. It's it's tough to strike the right balance, but 8.5 out of 10. One of the best crepes I've had. If you're around downtown Houston, hit them up. I will repeat to the audience what I told you at the time. <laughs> Quote, I've had a lot of bad crepes in my day, end quote, is easily the haughtiest thing you've ever said. Unquestionable. I'm willing to. I'm willing to. But it's, just, it's t- listen, crepes are tough. You got to get the right thickness. You got to get some flavor in there. You got to have some consistency in the batter. Props <sighs> for all of those things. It was incredible. It got the, st- got the day off to a right, uh, a perfect start. I'll look directly at the producer and ask if my sigh was audible enough on the... We're not it cutting this. Okay, We're not good. cutting this. This, sure is, this is going to make the uncensored show. Thank you. So, that, all that said, they get my props of the week. That brings today's Food Corner to an end. Thanks, all of you, for taking part in this week's show. Thanks my co-host, Greg Tepper. Mm-hmm. Our producer, Max Thompson... Hitting all the bleeps and bloops and buttons and editing as need be. And of course, thanks to Seth Luttrell for joining the show. North Texas for the hospitality, helping us get the magazine section and and, uh, getting Seth on the show. It was great. Uh, And of course, thanks to Cafe Paris for making an amazing crepe. God, (laughs) And to Heim Barbecue for making an amazing everything. Please sponsor the show. And also, Texas... Texas A&M, play the game. The official stance of Dave Campbell's Texas football. That's it for this week. We'll see you guys again very, very soon.